Hello, my friends. My name is Dan Jones, and I am pleased to share this quiet talk with you. It's quiet talk number 45. And by the way, if you have gotten into the uh, entire uh, page with all the quiet talks on it and look down to the bottom, you've noticed that it starts with quiet talk number seven. There are uh, quiet talks one through six, and they happen to be video quiet talks. So if you would like to watch any of those, then you can email me at father.danjones at outlook.com, and I will send you the links for those if you're interested. Do you ever find yourself struggling to measure up? I'm sure many of you do. Perhaps you are in a job that is highly competitive and your performance level could determine whether you keep your job. Or maybe you're in a marriage where you don't feel like you can ever please your spouse. Nothing you do is good enough. Or maybe you're a student striving for excellence so you can get a scholarship or keep one. Some people thrive under this kind of pressure. Others don't. But the area of life where we try to measure up that I want to talk about is, I think, the most basic, and that is trying to get God's approval. Do you measure up with God? I have to confess to you that I sometimes struggle with this myself. I think of verses in the Bible like Hebrews 12, 14, which says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The word translated strive here means to pursue, to chase after. It is sometimes used in the sense of to persecute, as in chasing people down to do them harm. It is a strong word. We are to chase after not only peace with everyone, which is a pretty big challenge in itself, but also we are to chase after holiness. And the rationale for chasing holiness is pretty significant. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. How holy are you today? I got to tell you, sometimes I don't feel so holy. I struggle. I want to measure up. When I was in school, it was all about performance. They didn't worry too much about your feelings. What mattered was your grades. Those who got straight A's were put on a pedestal. At my school, it was always the goal of our senior class counselor to get somebody into Yale. To achieve that, you definitely had to measure up. Conduct was also emphasized. Unlike today, if you got in trouble at school, you were automatically in trouble at home. Nowadays, it seems like in certain places, places the inmates are running the asylum, but not then. I felt like certain teachers, especially the coaches, were always on the lookout for somebody who was getting out of line. Some of them seemed to delight in meeting out punishment to the offenders. As a child, I had a subconscious fear that God was like those coaches, always hoping to catch me out. I know a lot of Bible verses by memory, but the verse that I think I've known longer than any, perhaps even longer than John 3.16, is Numbers 32.23. You don't know that one? I admit I didn't learn the reference 
when I was young, but I sure learned the text. It is short and to the point. Be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Even if mom doesn't know what you're up to, God sees everything. Sometimes I thought my mother could see everything, too. She could look me in the eye and gaze into the deepest recesses of my soul, or at least that's how it seemed. These things stick with you far into adulthood. Now, I'm not knocking my mother. She was a godly woman who wanted the best for her sons, and she was an indefatigable prayer warrior. She would get on the floor on her face and plead for our souls. I thank God for that. So I'm not the only one who struggles with performance. Many people try to relate to God on a performance basis. They hope to measure up. Many do this by comparing themselves with others. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I try to do good works I give to charity. I'm a good person. By the way, there's a quiet talk on the list that for some reason hasn't gotten nearly as many downloads as the others. It's called Good People in Hell. Check it out. Is our relationship with God based on our performance? Does he really have a scale on which he weighs our good works against our sins? Here's the good news. The answer to that is no. Our standing with God is not based on our performance. Many of you have heard me relate my experience many years ago when I first heard what the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15 was really all about. As a young man, I heard this, and I got a picture in my mind of this father running heedlessly down the road to restore his son and in the process humiliating himself in front of everybody. I realized then that God loves me just as I am, unconditionally. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I didn't measure up to God's standard of righteousness. But I suddenly saw in that moment that God loved me passionately in spite of my failure to measure up. I broke down and cried like a baby. It was a spiritual watershed for me. But again, I have to confess that there are times when I still struggle. Colossians 2.6 says this, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. That experience so many years ago was great, but I still have to walk in it. I have to go on in this faith that God loves me unconditionally. The devil still tries to convince me that it's up to me to be good enough for God to love me. I have to remind myself not only of the Father running to meet me with arms open wide, but passages like Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. The Lord appears to us from far away, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. He said that to some people who were certainly far away from him, the nation of Israel that had profoundly departed from the ways of God. 
the God who had miraculously redeemed them from the slavery of Egypt. And yet, he still affirmed his love for them. Much of the writings of the Old Testament prophets sound like the words of a broken-hearted lover begging his beloved to come back to him. God's love is amazing, incomprehensible. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, Paul says. I think becoming a father has taught me more about the nature of God than anything else in life. There is truly nothing in this world like holding your child for the first time. So tiny, so helpless, so needy, so vulnerable. And you fold your arms around them and you press that little body to your heart. In that moment, there is no doubt in your mind that you would exchange your life for the life of your child without hesitation. You wouldn't think about it for a second. You love this little one so supremely. Why? Why do you love your little baby like that? What has this kid ever done for you? Cleaned his room? Washed the dishes? Done his homework? No. He has never done anything for you. And yet you would die for him in a second. Why? It's simple. Because he's your child. That's it. You love him in this way because he's your child. My friend, do you think God loves any less than you do? Where do you think that instinctive human love for a baby came from? Right, God. He's trying to show us something of his unconditional love for us. Why does God love you? Because you live a morally blameless life and never break the rules? Obviously not. He loves you because you are his child. Not only would he die for you, he did die for you. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5.8. He didn't die for you after you cleaned up your act. He demonstrated this amazing love while you were still in sin, while you had no thought of trying to please God. Your relationship with God is not based on your performance. It is based on his own loving nature. God accepts you as you are. And as you live in this love as Jesus taught us to do, as you focus not on your own personal failure, but on the amazing love of God that shines forth from the cross, he will gradually change you into his own image. But this will come not through human effort, but through his matchless grace. You can stop struggling to measure up with God, my friend. He loves you with an everlasting love, and he proved it when he offered up his one and only son to suffer and die for you. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your love. Thank you that you love us not because we are good enough, not because we deserve it, 
but because you are our Father, and you have loved us with an everlasting love, a love that will never die. Oh God, I pray for those listening to this talk that you will help them to turn their focus away from their own personal failure and inadequacy and sin and turn their focus on the Lord Jesus Christ who took their sin to Calvary, who absorbed it into his holy soul and suffered and bled and atoned for our sin. And now the way is open to come into the presence of God, to be part of the family of God because of what Jesus has done. Help us to know that God loves us with an unconditional and undying love. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, friend, I ask you to to share this talk with somebody. I don't do this just for the fun of it. I don't do it to for myself. I do it to help people. I just want the kingdom of God to be strengthened and to grow. I want Christians to be strengthened and encouraged. And I want the church to be what Jesus envisioned it to be when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So please email me, father.danjones at outlook.com. And and if you haven't already, please share your email address with me so I can send these talks to you through, through email. God bless you, my dear friend.